Hey, I'm Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Please come and check out this exciting episode we have for you. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Today, we're in Imperial Beach, San Diego at Trident Coffee, and we've got Derek here with us, Marine Corps veteran, and we're going to dig into it, find out what he's all about and what it's like working at this awesome coffee place. So Derek, thanks for being with us, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So um, we've been here a, a couple times before and got to meet with Eric and you know learn kind of the background of Trident and stuff, and this is just a great company awesome coffee, but we wanted to sit down and, and get to know, you know, you're one of his operations guys and just understand a little bit about you and, you know, Marine Corps veteran and just kind of learn your path. So, um, tell us about, you know, joining the Marine Corps. What, what, what prompted that? All right. I guess I'll just start back. Uh, so growing up, I always, I mean, I grew up out in the country in the middle of Iowa, um, gravel roads, farm kid, um, always was infatuated with, I mean, no joke, Rambo and, you know, stuff like that, you know, cool. soldier growing up. So I was always out like playing war and stuff. And I either wanted to do that or be a cop and, and, uh, the recruiters got me or I got them because I walked in and said, Hey, sign me up infantry, pretty much no questions asked. And here I am today. So, nice. So how long were you in the Marine Corps? Uh, I did 20 years in, um, retired after 20, um, not a day over actually. So nice. worked out pretty well. Nice. So 20 years in, I'm sure several deployments, right? Yes. How many deployments you go on? Um, official deployments, like it was five. Okay. And then there's a couple other shorter stint ones that weren't the full 90 days or either two or three months here or there. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Any, any of those deployments particularly stick out to you, like good or bad? Um, not necessarily good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, all of them had their ups and downs Yeah. Um, for sure. But not one in particular, I don't think. I think the ones that stick out the most probably, obviously, the deployments to, you know, Afghanistan and whatnot, even though the I did go on a couple of MUs uh, prior to that, which were, those were uh, very enlightening in their own right. Were your deployments in Afghanistan, you know, getting any, any hairy situations or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's good that you made it through there. I mean, you know, not, not everybody does, but, um, you know, that's just some, some crazy stuff. So, so 20 years in the Marine Corps and now you're retired. Um, did you, was your last duty station here in San Diego then? It was, yes. Where were you stationed? I was with uh, First Raider Battalion. Okay. So. All right, nice. And um, so as you're getting, obviously, you're counting down the minutes probably till you hit the 20th year, right? Oh, yeah. Um, to get out of there. So um, what was the plan? What were, you, what were you thinking of doing when you got out? Well, it all came out. I was, uh, when I was on the East Coast, uh, about year 17, I was at the Marine Raider Training Center um, in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Yep. Over on Stone Bay. And uh, I was doing instructing over there, and that's when it hit me. It was like, hey, when you're – someone once told me or a wise man once said, when you're not having fun no more, that's when it's time to go. So I started not really having much fun no more. Maybe it was more of the political realm. kind of gave me an off taste in my mouth. So uh, so after executing orders back over here uh, to the West Coast, um, was with the team initially, um, running gun with them for a little bit, and then uh, volunteered to come out of the teams to uh, take over a – uh, battalion operations chief on the we have a the regular Ray battalion and a support battalion side and that way it would allow me to do a proper transition because i always hear horror stories from you know people that i you know have known either gotten out or buddies of mine that had also retired and just you know what they go through getting up to that you know been, getting held up to the fence basically up until the day getting out right right so i try to do everything i can with in my power to you know mitigate any of those i guess uh hardships so 
Uh, luckily, I had a, a you know good rapport and network with uh, the other um, staff around me. So I was able to uh, go over and do the battalion ops chief job, do that. I started by going to uh, sign up for the Honor Foundation exactly at my two-year mark. Okay. Uh, great organization. They're, uh, they are a transition course. It's a three-month course that uh, was primarily developed from the Navy SEAL Foundation. Okay. And it's uh, developed for Special Operation Forces, and then the Marine Raider Foundation also contributes to that as well, and, and others. Um, but that was a very much more in-depth about kind of like seeking who you are and like finding your why, if you will, um, more in-depth than what TAPS or TAMS or uh, whatever it's called now. Yeah, I think um, they call it TAPS still. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. As you're going and, through in that, that um, Honor Battalion, you know, what kind of stuff do they help you guys with as far as like gearing up for that transition out? So I'm sure maybe you can relate or anybody else that's been in long, longer than your first stand at least when uh, you almost forget who you are sometimes. Like some people ask me, like, well, what do you like to do? What are your passions? So they start by asking the basic questions. It's like talking about yourself is one of the hardest things to do. And so right. you, they do that. You talk about yourself. You try to find the golden thread through peaks and valleys and stories to figure out like what makes you tick and which way you want to go for, whether it's industry or entrepreneurship or, or what have you. You rolled through that. And then how did you, how did you end up finding Trident Coffee? So after the Honor Foundation, um, I found out while I was there, one of my mentors and a couple other people I knew and a former uh, Raider buddy of mine um, had uh, went to uh, USC to a, a course or not course, uh, the degree program, uh, Master of Business for Veterans. Oh, so cool. the MBB program phenomenal program and I was like you know just seemed like too good of opportunity not to apply and at least uh take my shot at it so I did that got accepted um did that for the next year and uh during that through the Trojan Network um that's how I got actually hooked up with these guys so it actually wasn't a direct military connection it was actually through uh, the USC MBV program oh that's really cool I didn't even know they had a program like that so it's a year-long yep. program that's the best kept secret in the nation if you ask me so. wow that sounds really cool well I know that that university specifically, well, in Southern California too, has a really, is really tight knit. Like it's a great alumni mm -hmm. group to be part of. Absolutely. Um, great network, right? Um, when they say, you know, your, your, net, your network is your net worth, right? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> um, so you got hooked up with Eric uh, here at, um, at Trident Coffee. What do you do for him? All right. So I'm his uh, director of operations. So basically everything, production, everything from, you know, the, the raw green beans coming in to the roasting, bagging, steeping, the whole process of making the cold brews we, that we do, um, monitoring that with uh, our inventory and uh, procurement. And then um, when we also do our own canning in-house as well, canning and kegging. And then we also have uh, part of our productions is our keto bakery as well. So oh, nice. I oversee all those head positions. Oh, that's really cool. Um, so I know you guys have been kind of on a, a pretty good growth track lately, with, especially with some of the mm -hmm. bigger distribution deals. So have... Have you had to, um, you know, start bringing on more people in your department and training them? And, you know, what, what is, do you, do you leverage any of the stuff like that you picked up from your military experience to kind of help you with, you know, running operations here? I mean, definitely uh, as far as uh, just time management is huge. Um, being able to, you know, back plan and then, like you said, you know, dive your plan, plan your dive, plan your dive. Right. Um, so, I mean... That's been one of the biggest things is just being able to, you know, multitask and just staying calm under pressure per se, or, you know, pun intended, because that's one of our cans here. So. <laughs> but um, just uh, staying level-headed through a lot of that, because, I mean, it's, it's a little, little hectic in a, a start of going up, because uh, we're, we're 
have a lot shorter staff or smaller staff. So we're growing and scaling. It's just being able to do that in the right amount of time. So yeah. we're not like, you know, overextending ourselves or underextending ourselves. Yeah. So that's been the, the biggest challenge so far is just, you know, uh, you know, dealing with other personalities and figure out who fits where best. And I think definitely pull a lot of that from because you deal with so many different personalities in the Marine Corps throughout your time or in the military in general. Yeah. Well, and that growth piece is a delicate balance too. It's like, oh, we need to hire two people, mm -hmm. but then I got to peel away and train two people instead of Correct. do the yeah. duties over here. So yeah, it's, it's tough to find like that equilibrium, right? Like, yeah, we need the help, but then I'm pulled away and mm -hmm. like, how do you make it all work? Right. Um, so yeah, that time management piece is, is critical. Um, what would you say, you know, for, for folks that are in the military now and they're, maybe they're not doing full 20, maybe they are doing a full 20. Um, but they're looking at that transition phase, you know, what kind of tips or advice would you give somebody if they come up to you and said, Hey, you know, I'm getting out in a couple of years. What should I do? See what platforms and opportunities are out there for them. There's so many untapped programs that the military has in general, the DOD that people don't even know about. And the funny thing is the information's there. You just got to take that initiative and find it. And uh, with that, it's like bet on yourself. And what I mean by that is no one cares more about you than you, especially on your way out. So make sure you're asking for that time and building your multiple COAs or courses of action, you know, your primary contingency, secondary contingency going on your way out. Because, I mean, everybody knows once you are done with your op order per se, and once you leave the wire, that plan goes to shit. Murphy's always going to come in. Yeah, just build your contingencies on top of each other and, uh, you know, make sure you ask for that time. That's critical because so many people wait until a month, three months out, and they're setting themselves up for failure. Yeah, it's not enough time for a life-changing, mm -hmm. you know, thing, right? And I, I hear from so many other, you know, veterans and people we've had on the show um, that, you know, one of the things the military is really good at training us to do is, you know, to plan a mission, execute a mission, right? So mm -hmm. it's almost like kind of take that mindset to, okay, this is just going to be the next phase. So what is that mission going to be? You know, what's what's the end goal? Mm -hmm. And then how do we how do we reverse engineer that so that we can execute the, the plan and get there. Right. Yep. Um, I mean that old saying like, you know, fail to plan is a plan to fail. Right. So you got to have a plan and, and there's, there's too many people who get out just with no plan. Oh, absolutely. They're just like, yeah. they're fed up or they're just done or I've had enough time and I'm out. Yep. And, and then, you know, that's when, you know, we see some mm -hmm. of them with kind of that downward spiral um, because they didn't have like that guidance or that mentorship or just ask for that advice. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's super helpful. Um, so what's, what's, uh, what's next on the horizon for you guys here? I know it's, it's, it's a growth opportunity. You're running operations. We've got, you know, new contracts with some great big distributors. Um, so what are you guys working on kind of internally as a team to, you know, kind of be prepared for the next phase? So we're trying to just put a lot of different systems in place to become more efficient. You know, um, like I said, so we do a little bit of everything being so small, right? So it's like, hey, this guy is the head brewer, but he's doing, you know, roasting job, helping bagging, helping retail out. And same thing with all of us. So we're all like kind of like super nuts, being jack of all trades, master of none. As we're growing and get more people on, slowly shift them, hey, this is no, no kidding. This is their primary duties, primaries and secondaries, and, you know, even tertiaries in some cases. But making sure that they're doing their primaries that way, that job is no kidding being done. Because some things fall through the cracks because we got so much going on. And we just need to be able to, you know, have people focus on their actual you know, job at hand versus worrying about everybody else's job.
Yeah, that's that's critical. You know, you'd mentioned earlier too in like that transition program about like the golden thread and you know mm -hmm. finding yourself and stuff like that. So, what's something you like to do for fun? Oh, <laughs> you still, do you shoot still? And so uh, I still like to go out shooting. Yeah, and then uh, one thing, uh, fortunately, so in my last eleven years, I was with uh, with Marsoc, so I that will kind of force go through uh, your your uh, insert platforms, right? So I became a uh, a diver and a skydiver as well. So I enjoy doing both those still as oh, a wow. recreational piece. Uh, just being anywhere near the water, love that. Uh, a big sports nut, so enjoy going out to any sporting events and uh, football, baseball type deal. Nice hockey. You know, that's cool. But, uh, biggest thing is too is a, a, not a whole lot of spare time, but when we do get out or I get out on the weekends, I want to I try to reconnect with the network and people I went to school with or served with, and um, and the cool thing about that program as well is everybody in that program served. So yeah, that um, is cool. And just uh, almost going, I, don't know, I just thought of this, but like going back on that, like advice wise, it's like don't be afraid to ask for help. So just keeping connected with that network and talking to everybody, whether it's friends or peers or mentors that you had you know, during the service or that you made during kind of programs, just reach out. People want to help. That's awesome. So can you, can you skydive into a dive? Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> you could. <laughs> Maybe we'll put that on the list for later. So, you know, one of the big like elephants in the room right now is, is COVID. It's still mm -hmm. around. It's still a thing. And, um, you know, obviously last year is when it hit really hard. So, um, did that have any impact on you guys? So when I came on uh, with Trident, it was a, I don't know, I don't think we mentioned this before, actually got into it was after I finished uh, my degree with USC, um, I had about seven months left and about two months of that took about the paperwork and approval done. But I, through the SOCOM uh, Warrior Care Coalition program, I did an internship with them first. Oh, cool. Because um, uh, through the school, I realized I, I wanted to be in the craft industry, being a, also an avid home brewer, talk about things I'd like to do. Um, so I was thinking about starting my own brewery. And um, so I wanted to go to a smaller scale and I got connected to these guys. I wanted to see the, the infrastructure and how it works from a startup perspective versus going to a bigger, you know, international brand or something like that. Right. Uh, so long story short, came on here and, um, you know, no expectations, just wanted to learn and, uh, from these guys and came on and uh, got the offer uh, shortly before I ended the internship and then uh, retired officially, um, accepted right about the same time. Um, nice. Took about a month uh, after I had uh, officially retired, and then I came on over here. So basically, went through the end of the schooling, through the transition, or through the uh, internship, all the way through during the COVID, and uh, it actually didn't have a. It had an impact, of course, everywhere. But for us, it was a, almost a not a saving grace, but a, um, impactful in a positive way because people got out more, and the, we have the bike path right here, so a lot of people exercise and. And getting out, and we were able to keep doors open because we also have the, you know, uh, we sell some, you know, uh, small baked goods and, um, you know, power bars and stuff like that. Right. So th they came in off the trail, and it's actually enhanced the business quite a bit. And, um, you know, we haven't had uh, too many issues getting any kind of, uh, you know, supplies in. So we've been, we've been cranking and, you know, That's growing good. during this time frame. That's good. I mean, it's it's kind of counterintuitive, right? You'd think like. COVID just because we hear like so much negative news about like this business shutting down and these ones are on hold and like yep. all this bad news. Um, so there's not too many good news stories, at least that get told, right. Um, which you guys hit a little bit of a growth spurt. And I, I just kind of think back to, you know, like being locked down and everything and, you know, the opportunity to like run to the grocery store or down to the mini Mart and I know. 
grab a coffee. <laughs> it was like an exciting thing, right? I remember one time going to just put gas in my car. I'm like, yeah, it's been a month. I should maybe go put some gas in my car. I don't know. I needed something to do on a Saturday, right? So, um, so yeah, I mean, I can, I can see now that you mentioned it, how that would have helped kind of pick things up because, you know, people weren't going to hang out at a Starbucks anymore, you know? Yep. Um, so they got to have this opportunity. That's really cool. Um, did you guys um, see any, any lift from that um, on your, like on your foot traffic side or was it mostly like kind of distribution or where did you guys see like the biggest pickup? Um, the most pickup was uh, definitely on the retail side or storefronts being okay. uh, foot traffic. Nice. Cool. Well, Derek, thanks, man, for, uh, for sharing your story with us. And um, I know you guys are swamped here, so I don't want to pull you away from work too much, but we really appreciate you being on the show with us and uh, sharing with us a little bit about your transition. And um, we hope that, you know, our audience, you know, can pick up a couple of nuggets from it. And, um, you know, we'd love to have you back, man. Oh, absolutely. Cool. Thanks, appreciate brother. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. If you have any questions about the guests on the show, please reach out to me at valoanguy.us.